This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. With it being the weekend, folks, do yourself a favor and catch the pulse on AMI Audio. Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Now, this week, Joita speaks about effective ableism with Anastasia Todd of the University of Kentucky. That's the pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time on AMI Audio. You can also find it available to you on your favorite podcast platform. Also, folks, over on YouTube. Welcome back to Kelly and Ramya. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. And on Fridays, we like to get to our app update. Let's bring on John Beeler. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where I share the latest app, mobile, and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. John, it's going to be good because the first item includes AI and art. <laughs> so... Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about, you know, creating controversy on Fridays, right? So we can't just keep people in good moods all through the Friday show. So here, we don't know if it's bad news, though. So uh, Google is tapping into AI art generators or an AI art generator to discover in real life, aka IRL, versions of your dream products. Give us uh, the explanation. Well, I think this is probably... Uh, a useful and fun thing that AI is doing. Good. Um, but it also is going to hit you in the pocketbook because basically what Google has done, they have something called the search engine experiment. And this is sort of like their Google labs that you have to opt into. This isn't sort of by default when you're using Google. Um, and what they're doing is they're allowing you to, or giving you the ability to sort of type in your dream product, for example. And what it'll do is it'll create some AI generated versions of that product, but then also try to match it up with existing actual products you can buy. And so one of the examples they have is like, puffy metallic winter coat mm. and basically what it'll do is it'll give you some examples of it you click on the one you like and then it'll try to find that product in real life wow okay but when you say um that first part of it you were saying ai will generate is it generating fictitious products like an idea of the product or is that still just to give you the examples of what you're looking for and then you can narrow it down further and then the whole point of it is it's going to go curate uh results of real life things that are already out there. Yeah, so essentially it's going to do like a mid-journey style uh, representation of these products. Mm. Um, Because the other thing too, I don't always know what a product is called. Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily know that that's a metallic jacket, for example. Oh, with fashion, such Um, a good example, because yeah, there's stuff to describe everything. You might not know what the heck you're saying though. And and this also creates the knowledge that there might be an interest for something, especially when you talk fashion, that isn't necessarily, if if they see, hey, a jacket like that, and that kind of color people are looking for, hmm. Well, you know, Google is going to be mining all of that data. Oh, yeah. Okay, (laughs) here we go. That's the other shoe dropping, right? (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, the other thing you can do with this system as well is you can just say, tell me some great gifts for home cooks. 
and it will actually use AI to search out, I think a little bit better than even Google's own search engine for those kind of uh, results. Uh, again, it depends on how descriptive you are in these prompts, but AI is behind it now. And it's going to, again, give you a shopping list of places to go to mm. get those gifts that you're looking mm. for. You know what this reminds me of? This kind of like both sides of this um, um scenario people fighting for this or against this it reminds me of like in-person shopping versus online you know there's there's lots of good reasons i think you would turn to another human being to recommend uh sh good gifts holiday gifts for home cooks and then great reasons for why you would turn to ai what are some of the reasons why we would turn to ai for something like this versus just a regular google search where somebody has compiled a list for you well, I, I think the difference here is that if you do a Google search, you're fighting against the the uh, the advertising yes, algorithm. That's it, right? Fair. Yeah. But even then, so, can't you yeah. get out of that by not clicking on ads or going straight into results that are you know articles or blog posts or something? Yeah, but you're still wading through it all. I mm, think the yeah. idea of this particular service is that you're going to be able to skip that those sponsored posts, at least for now. Mm. This is right, considered right. an experiment, so it's not fully added up um, like uh, like the Google search box would be. But, um, right. you know, it's going to come. But I still think this might be slightly better because like that human that you would, re you would ask that question of, AI is essentially the same thing in the sense that it knows all the stores all the time all at once and what you can actually buy and maybe even specific to your country, for example. So yeah. when, that's know, what I was thinking because it, yeah. yeah, you just can't get it in Canada, for example. Right. A lot of times that's it. And this is apparently without bias. So we're, we're, you know, I mean, a friend can have bias. Yes. Uh, but generally the friend's going to not say, well, just because I bought it or because it says here, this is on sale. I found it somewhere. You, you could really try to track down something and, and use those parameters later. That's that's interesting, John. I think, like you said, at first, hopefully it doesn't get the at first and then, yeah, but if we put some, you know, like leads to products that are out there, I love the idea that you could, especially, I'm sure it helps people with different sizes who might need petites, who might need something bigger. It might help you really curtail that list and availability where you are. So I, I like that. Um, Apple announces... RCS support for iMessage, John. Yeah, we talked about this, I think, literally just two weeks ago about so. uh, Google uh, and everybody else on the Android side saying, hey, Apple, come on, add RCS support. And they finally agreed to it. Uh, so basically what this means is early next year or at some point next year, Apple hasn't specifically said when, they're going to start supporting RCS. And this basically allows, uh, it, it gives you, uh, as an Android user, uh, the ability to interact with iMessage people uh, better. You have much more uh, media options. You have proper emoji support um, and basically higher quality media uh, and even typing indicators between them. So essentially, the only thing that's going to be different between um, 
the, the messages that you send in iMessage to an Apple user or uh, an Android user will be the color of the bubble. Okay. Function, functionally, it'll be similar, um, but it's still not perfect. Uh, RCS still relies on the SMS platform and it's tied to your carrier's phone number. So um, the nice thing about iMessage is I could actually add Ramya and she doesn't have to know my phone number. She just has the email right. address that's associated yes. with that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is it so, still end to end though, or no? Because of that? Because of what you're uh, That's a great question. I don't have the answer for you on that, but okay. I suspect that it'll still fall within the same uh, parameters uh, as iMessage. Um, but essentially, it, it brings, I guess, in some ways, Android up to the iPhone level um, or, and it levels the playing field because um, the biggest problem that Android users have had is they haven't had the full support of uh, what iMessage means to Apple users. Uh, right. and, and that's right. some of it's just really basic stuff, like just being able to see the typing indicator, the read receipts, those types of things that you don't typically get with an SMS message because it's just basically sent and fired off and it's there's no data connection part of it, which is really what RCS is adding to that equation. Which is what I'm actually mm-hmm. curious about. Like if you're saying it's still tied to on the Android end, the SMS process, uh, you know, your carrier, your phone number, uh, like the sending through that, I wonder if that literally will mitigate the end-to-end opportunity. Um, you know, like the security of the messages between the two people. Uh, but it will be done, just to clarify this point, it will be done through your regular text messaging um, ways, right? If you're an Android user, that's not going to change. It's not like you're going to download a second A different app, app but deals with that, Correct. right? Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're just going to use your normal route. And uh, the difference is, is that it'll, it'll be able to tell uh, the iPhone user that you're texting from Android mm. that um, you're going to have that two-way communication with the, the typing um, alerts and the, 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 the better quality media. So if you send a photo that's or a video. That's what I like. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Uh, I'm very curious about what that's going to sound like with screen reader. Right now, it's easy to tell if you can't see the, the bubble. Um, it'll yeah. just say text message versus iMessage, but I wonder what just, it'll be like to differentiate. Just while we were talking about this, I just looked it up. Uh, apparently, Google will have some extensions that will add encryption, okay. but that's not part of the standard for this. So uh, some carriers and or some uh, cell phone providers might not uh, fully uh, incorporate that. So, the end-to-end, yeah. Mm, that's problematic. may vary. Yeah. Yeah. That's and we're hearing this but... now. This could change, like you said, John. This is going to be later next year. We know there's time to do it, but some of these concerns will be addressed by people like yourself, Rum. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, like, that's not the priority, right? Like you're mentioning, John, oh. it's better media, red receipts, all these other things. Read receipts? Anyways, but um, the, the end-to-end is one thing that I thought about as one of the biggest reasons why people would switch over. But that, I guess, is a deeper point. Uh, Last thing you want to get to is Google Chrome limiting ad blockers starting in June 2024. Isn't this going to be annoying? Yes. Uh If you use an ad blocker, you're going to be very annoyed because effectively Uh in Google Chrome, Uh they're starting to block extensions or I shouldn't say block. They're, they're basically limiting what an extension can do. And the, the gist of the problem here is that, um, 
an ad blocker essentially has a big database list of all the sites that uh, are ad serving. Mm. And what Google's changed to their uh, extension system uh, essentially is going to limit the amount or, or how big that database can be. So uh, that's going to be really challenging for these ad blocking companies to keep on top of, you know, the the top thousand million. I don't know how many sites there are that actually generate all these ads that are being blocked. Like it's what it's whack-a-mole. So, um, but up until now, those extensions haven't been limited to how big of a set of rules you can have for blocking ads. So this is going to really constrain that. And essentially it's going to allow ads to slip through an ad blocker because oh the ad blocker is not going to be uh, empowered enough to block every single possible rule that's out there. Do you uh, have an idea of how people are going to combat this? <laughs> or are uh, there ways out there already that would be the secondary um, way of dealing with ads if you weren't using ad blockers that you think is going to you know, rise up because of this? Well, the the, the simple uh, response that I've seen online is people will just switch to Firefox. Yes, exactly. Just move <laughs> browsers altogether. That, that's why would exactly you deal, would right? Think. Well, that's right. Why would yeah. you ever want to? But the thing yeah. is, Google Chrome has um, a, a leg up in a lot of different ways. I'm just thinking of yes. soft, uh, not software, but, you yeah. know, web-based well, things. Behavior, that, behavior yeah. ease, uh, and, functionality. You know, for example, like Riverside.fm, which is a, a huge program that we use across our network to record remotely and get um, clean, real-time, uh, unobstructed audio and video, that's most usable on Chrome. So if you're going to get out of Chrome now as your default reaction and response to these kind of things, um, will Firefox and Safari and all these other big uh, places, browsers, start supporting and start pulling their weight with accessibility? Well, wow. it's interesting because um, Firefox has actually uh, come back. To, Google's reason behind doing this is is for uh, privacy and other things, but sure. you know it's just so that they can actually recoup uh, more ads. Yeah. Obviously, and Firefox has challenged the claims that Google has been making about these mm. changes. And essentially, it sounds like Firefox is going to become the ad blocking platform if if that's your if that's your, if that's your jam. So, because yeah. um, they're they're fully embracing these extensions, and they're going to let these ad blockers uh, do all the rules that they yeah. need to do. So, yeah. um, but again, you know, things can change and there's, there's also other browsers you can use too, like Brave and DuckDuck and like all these other types of things that can mm. be done. And there's other things you can do that are, uh, outside of the browser for blocking ads. Um, there's yep. different tools you can use that are external to your computer that will block it as it comes into the router. Some routers even have ad blocking built into it as well. Right, so yeah. there's, I mean, it's it's a constant uh, game of Babble. leapfrog. Yep. Yeah. Well, the, 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 we yeah, know this just from the great. way that people uh, respond to these things, like annoy the heck out of us and we will find another way to do it, right? Um, so yeah well and it's always back and forth switch and then for a while and somebody says hey we're gonna do that and it, it, it's such a little game it yeah. really is and google's notorious move for back move. and forth oh yes. google has Just fun kidding. because they're we're so gonna big go back. <laughs> yeah yeah well and also the, the the website publishers that have these ads are gonna find ways to get around these systems as well because mm -hmm. 
that's how they get paid. Yep. And um, even even some of the stories that I prepare for this segment, I like to use the reader view in Safari. I love it. And right. some of the, because um, that basically strips away all the ads, exactly. all the extra bloat. But a lot of websites have figured out a way to block that view. So yep. you literally just get the headline and you get nothing else but ads, ads. in that reader view. Yeah. Oh, so frustrating. All right. Thank you so much, John. You're welcome. Okay, talk to you next week. John Beeler joins us for our app update, and this is how we wrap the week with him on Fridays. Okay, folks, we'll step aside. We'll also chat about, well, who knows what Bill's got for us. It's The Buzz in two minutes. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.